Welcome to this week's episode of Quiddity on the Circe Podcast Network, where we engage in the classical spirit of inquiry. I'm your guide, Brandon LeBlanc. I am really excited about my guest today. Joining me is Christine Perrin. Welcome, Christine. We were just chatting off the air that we met each other, oh gosh, it's got to be six or seven years ago now at the Circe Conference, 2000, no more than that, 2015, almost eight years. Um, but for those of you who don't know, Christine is uh, uh, is a poet. Uh, she is uh, helped found Classical Academic Press and wrote their their um, their poetry curriculum. Um, she has some other exciting things going on that we'll talk about a little bit later in the show uh, for her. But for me, she was one of the first people who ever welcomed me to a Cersei conference. Um, and then we got to know each other a little bit during one of her colloquies, if you remember. So I remember so well. Uh, I remember one of the happiest things was hearing that you were working for Cersei because <laughs> I loved your full spirited bodied engagement with those conversations. And I felt like it was a place where we really got to know each other and you really contributed just as a partner in the reading process in such an amazing way. Um, when you got the stump award, I was <laughs> yes. <not> surprised. <laughs> but I think I, I, but, I think I killed that award. It hasn't come back since then. I don't think. Oh, that's funny. But anyway, I it's really great to be reading with you again. I love that. I loved it, and I love it still. Yeah, I I remember we were reading something from Tolkien with when the elves give Sam the rope. It's like so so burned into my brain. So ah, yes, it was it was wonderful. They put the love. They, they put. In everything they make, they put the thought of all they love in everything they make. That's just a Tolkien sentence. Yeah, but it was great. Rhythm. It's like a poem. It sounds like a poem. I say it. Yeah. Yeah. It was that was a wonderful experience, and that's why I I try not to skip your colloquies whenever possible. So um, it was a lot of fun. Well, for the audience, uh, if you've been paying attention at all since since we started re-airing Quiddity, um, you'll notice that. Twice I've re-aired old shows of uh, that, that Christine was on. Um, once when she came to talk about teaching poetry with David, and they ended up, I think, uh, practicing with a with a Frost poem. And then one of my all-time favorites, uh, the discussion between Christine and David and and Matt Bianco about um, Elliot's uh, is it is it called the Gift of the Man? No, it's called the Magi. Journey of the Magi. Journey of the Magi. Thank you. A poem I had never heard of before then, and which now haunts me every year around Epiphany, mm-hmm. Theophany. <laughs> um, yes. it, it comes back to mind. So, But in both of those episodes, at the end, they talked about, we should do this more often. And so I mm-hmm. decided that now that I'm in charge, I was going to make that happen, which is just me abusing my power to get the get the classical education I want on, <laughs> through the podcast. <laughs> that's so, what we're all doing. <laughs> that's right. So Christine has graciously agreed to come on. We're hoping to make this kind of a regular thing every every few months or so and come on and we'll talk about a poem. Um, and today, uh, no surprise if you know if you know Christine at all, we're we're launching into uh, this with with Gerard Manley Hopkins. So um, Christine, do you want to give just a little bit of background on Hopkins? Sure. Um, Hopkins uh, was a poet that wrote uh, in the eighteen hundreds. He grew up Anglican and um, went to Oxford and was a student of Newman's and became uh, Catholic. Uh, he he joined the Jesuit order um, and he gave up poetry. And when he um, came back to it, it was because there had been a shipwreck. And one of his superiors said, I wish someone would write about that. Mm. write a poem about that and and he did he felt that that was permission from god um he has uh he lived a really challenging life a lonely life uh a life of great um hardship and sometimes i think about why couldn't he and tolkien have been friends why didn't god (laughs) let them meet in their lifetime but um because they would have loved each other so much but um i think what we learn uh, so much from Hopkins is how to love the world, how to see God in the world, how to to understand what a sacramental view of everything is, and also how to endure and suffer. 
So I love him. And it, of course, he puts it in the language. It's not an idea. Mm-hmm. It's an embodiment. And so when you come out of a Hopkins poem, you've been renewed with him in that cycle that he went through. Yeah, you can you can feel it in the physicalness of his the, the things he describes. The materiality of his work is amazing. Like you understand, oh, poetry is not abstract. Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, that's that helps me because um abstract is sometimes a little above me. So all of um, us, it is. We're not made for for yeah. that alone. Well, we we you chose the Starlight Night, which was a new one to me. So, um, you know, I'm going to let you take over, Professor okay. Perrin, and and teach us how to te- how to how to read some poetry. Wonderful. Well, let's um, start by, uh, I'll read it aloud, and then um, maybe the two of us could just echo back a few lines uh, without comment that we find particularly striking. It could be a line, it could be a phrase or a word, and we'll just do that a little bit, and then you read it aloud, and then we'll start talking. Okay. Sounds good. All right. The Starlight Night. Look at the stars. Look, look up at the skies. Oh, look at all the fire folk sitting in the air, the bright burrows, the circle citadels there. Down in dim woods, the diamond dells, the elves' eyes, the gray lawns cold where gold, where quick gold lies. Wind beat, white beam, airy abels set on a flare. Flake doves sent floating forth at a farmyard scare. Ah, well, it is all a purchase. All is a prize. Buy then, bid then. What? Prayer, patience, alms, vows. Look, look. A maymess like on orchard boughs. Look, bright March bloom like on mealed with yellow sallows. These are indeed the barn. Within doors house the shocks. This peace bright paling shuts the spouse Christ home. Christ and his mother and all his hallows. Flake doves sent floating forth. Oh, look at all the firefolk sitting in the air. Prayer, patience, alms, vows. Where the quick gold lies. Down in dim woods the diamond delves. Look, look, a may mess. <laughs> they are indeed the barn. These are indeed the barn. Christ and his mother and all his hallows. Oh, look. Your turn. Do you want to read it now? Sure. The Starlight Night. Look at the stars. Look, look up at the skies. Oh, look at all the firefolk sitting in the air. The bright burrows, the circle citadels there. Down in dim woods, the diamond delves, the elves' eyes. The gray lawns cold where gold, where quick gold lies. Wind beat white beam, airy able set on a flare. Flake dove sent floating forth at a farmyard scare. Ah, well, it is all a purchase, all is a prize. Buy then, bid then, what? Prayer, patience, alms, vows. Look, look, a may mess like on orchard boughs. Look, March bloom like an like on mealed with yellow sallows. 
These are indeed the barn, with indoors house, the shocks. This peace-bright paling shuts the spouse, Christ home, Christ and his mother and all his hallows. Mm. One thing I will just say is that I have spent a lot of time with this poem, but I still had to go back and look up a lot of words. <laughs> yes. Um, because a lot of the words are a bit archaic. You know, he mm. he knew Latin and Greek. And um, so it might help for me to just mention the words I looked up. Yeah, I was thinking I had a few that I was like, I tried to figure out from context. And I was like, okay, I have to just look it up. Yeah, exactly. So um, the old use of the word hallows is um, saint. Um, so that's uh, a noun. Um, then Burroughs, of course, is a town or a village or a fort. Um, Citadel is a stronghold or a fortified place. Um, a delve is like a burrow. Um, white beam is a tree with white flowers. Um, Abel is a white poplar tree. Sallows are um, shrubby old world willows. <laughs> um, paling is a picket fence. And the shock referred to are the sheaves of grain, um, you know, kind of tied up together. Um, so those are the things that felt important to me to get in place. And sometimes I do that even when I think I know the definition, I just look it up just to kind of right. get myself centered. And sometimes I look at the um, root as well, especially with Hopkins, because Hopkins knows everything that's going on in a word. Paling is a fence, you said? Yes. Okay. Picket fence. So, I mean, I think um, one of the things I love about this poem the most is the way that it begins. Um, it just brings us right next to him, right into the experience, you know, mm -hmm. where he's he's enjoining us to do what he's doing. And did you notice all the exclamation marks in that first? <laughs> yes, I have to tell you that this was a struggle for me reading it aloud at first hmm. because of that. So, um, you know, my, my wife, Kobe, and you would use, you, you pick this poem. And so I pulled it up and I kind of was reading it under my breath at first in my office. And then I started to read it aloud. And from the other room, I hear, are you reading Pied Beauty? And I was like, I was like, no, but good ear. It is Hopkins. <laughs> and then and she said, what is it? And I, and I was like, it's Starlight Night. I said, give me a minute. I'll read it to you aloud. Just give me a second to try it first. <laughs> and then I read it. And. She said, you read Hopkins much faster than me. I always mm. read it s slower. I said, well, there's all these exclamation points. I don't know. <laughs> it makes me want to go fast. Yeah. I said, let me try it again. And so I slowed it down as best I could. Um, and she said, oh, that's better. The other one didn't even sound like Hopkins. <laughs> so, Although it sounded it? like Hopkins that she recognized it from yeah. the other. So, yeah, I that was. The way you read it a lot. Uh, I especially liked the way you read the second stanza. I felt like. I was coming to understand its pacing more by the way that you were reading it. Um, the first stanza, everything is in in stopped line. Mm. And everything except for the last line is an exclamation mark. <laughs> um, so uh, to me, of course, that indicates astonishment. Um almost this, you know, being swept away, being swept off the viewer, the speaker is being mm -hmm. swept off his feet and, and wants to share it with us. And I love the way he, we dive right into looking and then the, the analogizing mind, you know, mm -hmm. um, what did you think of those analogies that he makes right away? All of them. Um, I love the fire folk sitting, sitting in the air. Um, and I'm not sure, but I think he, I think he comes back to that when he refers to the hallows at the end with the saint. If he's looking at the celestial sky and then seeing Christ, his mother, and all the saints, it's a, a more medieval maybe view of the of the sky. But but the fire folk, I um, what comes came to mind was 
both these kind of blazing heavenly bodies as being personified, but also the idea of like fireflies where like you, sometimes you can get them mixed with the stars. And so um, it was, yeah, I like firefolk, that word choices. It springs to mind so much imagery. So. Yeah, almost, um, you know, I asked our friend Jesse once about this poem and he said he was picturing like angels and elves and fairies you know yeah yeah Um, and you do get that strong feeling that he is referring to sort of those elemental natural forces that you know the english really did believe existed these elves or these fairies that were right out of view uh, invisible but we could uh, see the signs the scene in in the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, where all of a sudden Bacchus is showing up, like you know they're dancing around the fire with Aslan, and the, it's the girl, and that yeah. they see this kind of sprightly scene. Yeah, um, that that that's great. So like he that. kind of sees this almost elven celebration in the sky. They're sitting in the air, and there are these bright burrows and and forts, and th- then he compares it to to elves' eyes. Uh, and and then what did you make of that line? The gray lawns cold, where gold, where quick gold lies. Yeah, I was trying to de- to decipher when. It, like, is is it the starlight that's now he's now seeing? Does his does his vision shift from looking directly at the stars to how it's reflecting on the earthly realm, like with the with the dim woods? Is he seeing the starlight flick like coming off of things? Mm. Um, and then down to the lawn where he there's there's a reflection of I wasn't sure because quick gold when I think of it my first thought is something more like magma or like you know it's, it's that moving glowingness um, mm-hmm. but I wasn't like sure if that's mm-hmm. sparkle of something I think I like your description I I also am aware of the fact that with elves you know they always leave a little trace mm. um, and I don't know in some of the fairy stories they something that was gold when the elves or the fairies were there is left behind and it looks like crumpled leaves right but it was the gold of their celebration so but i think either way either interpretation there's a sense of the kind of glimmers that fall from yeah well it goes on next to talk about the leaves and the flowers from the tree so maybe it would be that idea where it looked gilded with the elves but it's it's leaves when it's over, right? So in the starlight, it looks gilded. Down below. Mm-hmm. But then it does seem like he goes back and, uh, yeah, we get all these trees. Um, wind beat, white beam tree, airy abels set on a flare. So they're they're flaming. Flake doves sent forth, floating forth at a farmyard scare. So those like little sparks that come up from a fire mm-hmm. that go up into the sky and then fall down. I think he's building almost for us a bridge between earth and heaven. Um, you know, the the um, it's almost as if the stars are coming down mm-hmm. or floating up from where right. we are. The the nighttime terrestrial area is is almost filled with their their magic, right from from the yes. light. Yes, yeah. yes, that's such a beautiful way to say it, and. I love to, you know, one of the great things about poetry is that it comes to us in time. You know, you you don't absorb it all at once. You you let it unfold. You, it's music unfolds. And, you know, even here, we're finding out about fire folk and bright burrows and circle citadels and dim diamond delves. And, you know, the 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 language is is penetrating us and striking us and giving us an experience that alliterative experience and um, rhythmic experience is part of how we're Mm -hmm. joining him in his beholding. But it also seems like he's helping himself to contemplate and to behold. Like it's almost like a textbook case of how do you behold a thing? How do you, you know, rent, like ring an experience out and enter it like with for every drip every drop it has to offer you and enter it and behold it and dwell with it like you can feel his longing to dwell with this beauty and then he shows us how how to dwell 
Yeah. And, and I think he, like you said at the very beginning, he invites us into it, right? You, it's so childlike. It's almost, it's almost like you're laying on the grass and he's, in, and he's look, look at things in the sky he's seeing and then seeing how it, um, and then seeing how it connects to the, the world around him and, and, and changes the aspect of where he is to be in the starlight versus the sunlight, right? It's, it's a completely new world in the starlight. It, it feels like the opposite of, of kind of our impulse, which is to, Hey, look at that. Take a, take a snapshot. Right. And like not oh. be in the moment and it's. And mediate. Right. Separate, put something between ourselves and it. Even the saying, I mean, there's a place for certainly for being in silence in front of something. But I think there's also a place when you're with someone else, especially someone else that you're close to, to, to point out what you're seeing and then point out what they're seeing. And, and it's this, is this kind of joint contemplation. I think he's inviting, it feels like he's inviting us into that with him. So. Yes. And uh, I'm conscious of the fact that he's inviting us and he's also, you know, laboring on our behalf and laboring on his behalf and uh, so I think, as I was saying about the alliteration and the, you know, finding a language adequate to the experience, and the experience is not like the gestalt, the whole thing. Mm -hmm. It's those momentary, like, okay, I see fire folk, I see bright burrows. So he's analogizing what he sees. And that, too, is something that I think we lack. Um, I've been reading A Timeless Way of Building by Christopher Alexander. Oh, wonderful. And oh my gosh, his analogizing, you know, he'll, he'll give you a concept and then he'll just analogize it like yeah. 10 times and they're crazy analogies, like amazing. The whole world gets absorbed into them. I've started his, Hopkins. yeah, I've started his other one pattern, pattern. Language, and, it's, and it's the same. He's the same way. He's just such a, he's such an analogical thinker and, and yes. communicator. It's beautiful. And now I just got the other ones that nature of order of nature I, I haven't cracked them yet but i'm like so excited about them oh that's um, great you're inspiring me to <laughs> keep going um but but i i do really think we lack this ability and i love the fact that hopkins is showing us how to do it and is seems to be saying that it's essential for contemplation and for mm -hmm. being able to dwell with what god gave us and come into it you know, that it, it doesn't just, it's there. The sacrament of the world is there, mm -hmm. but we have to uh, taste and see and taste more deeply. And he's kind of showing us how that works. Yes. I think, it, and like, again, it's so antithetical to our impulse as moderns, which is to analyze rather than analogize. And yes, but we don't, we don't really understand something, but we can't compare it to something else. And and so this is, I, I, yeah, I love, I love, I'm never disappointed when you pick a Hopkins poem to, to talk about. So. <laughs> I think it's also, um, you know, we, we mentioned this, but um, I do love the fact that as he analogizes, he gets closer and closer, even though he's still looking at the stars and, and analogizing the stars, he's comparing the stars. But he gets closer and closer to to where he is, to himself, mm -hmm. to Earth. I like the way you called uh, this terrestrial aspect. <laughs> um, but down to the very simple um, moment of what happens when you have a fire, and you know you're you're kind of worried about those sparks flying up and causing a fire, you know, a real fire. Um, so it's almost like he he's seeing a fire in the sky. And then a little bit like that frost poem, you know, where he's the frost is looking at the fireflies and looking at the stars and and calling the fireflies stars on mm -hmm. earth. Mm -hmm. You feel Hopkins doing a similar thing. And then uh, what do you make of the the way he comes out of that? Oh well it's it is all a purchase all is a prize what why did we go there why did we come out of the reverie of analogy yeah i i don't know other than uh, maybe after the analogy he's he's acknowledging the difficult to to grasp hold of it right you can't 
Mm-hmm. Um, and and that you just you have it for the snippet of time while you're in there and contemplating. But yeah, that was an interesting way to break before the next the before the end of the end of the poem. Yeah. Um, what you're observing is helping me to remember that this dash is very interesting at the end of the line. Farmyard scare, exclamation mm. mark, dash. Uh, it, it does emphasize the breaking off that you're talking about, which is almost like a slipping off. Mm-hmm. Um, almost that feeling of, I can't get it. I can't, <laughs> you know, I'm not, this isn't doing it justice. And then, but what's interesting to me is this move to calling it a purchase and a prize, you know, like a those words and then going on word, it, you know, it, when you read that at the end of the sestet, you know, because it's a sonnet um, and the son, this kind of sonnet, the Italian or Petrarchan has two parts mm-hmm. and the first part kind of lays it out. And the second part, you know, usually something different happens. Mm-hmm. Um some kind of comment or or reflection or extension um whereas that turn happens at the very end in the english sonnet so so then he goes on to say so i hear purchase and prize and i'm sort of left spinning yes but he goes on to say buy then bid then bid what what prayer patience alms vows so i think it would make sense for us to think about that last line of the first eight and this first line of the second six together. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he seems to answer that, that break with, if it's a prize and it's a purchase, then buy it, bid it's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. And then here's how you do that. Um, So what, what is, what does he mean by buy it and bid? What it, what that, that break. And then the, and then the rejoinder, um, calls to mind for me is is um the pearl of, of great value right it's in the yes. field and then yes. so that's the prize and then you per- you have to purchase and of course that's an analogy in scripture to yes. to living the faithful life right and so then he turns around with well how do you how do you hold these things how do you hold this beauty and this wonder mm. prayer patience alms vows it's it's through the um the penitent you know it's th- that's the price that the price is you have to slow mm-hmm. down you have to contemplate you have to um give <laughs> mm. uh, i love your train of thought um i really love it i i love the the idea that this is um i mean for one thing it, it you're reminding me that this is a kind of sacramental turn where you know we know that he's not talking about buying the stars mm-hmm. right i mean he 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 is he's talking about a purchase or making a bid at or or laboring for like you say something of great value so what is that great value is it the ability to commune with nature is it the ability to um see the beauty of the world is it the ability to um it, it, what else <laughs> you know like what else is it the ability uh of you know what what else is sort of hidden in that beauty um in that natural sight and um by analogizing you've just given us an anal- another analogy that he gave us that kind of tells us to keep looking, you know? So, I mean, my answer to my question would be, yes, it's all those things. And what else, you know, and, and why would this be worth prayer, patience, alms, and vows? Um, I mean, it's free for the taking, like, isn't Mm it, isn't it free for the taking looking up at the night sky? You know, what, what are we buying? Yeah, I, so the the next part, thankfully, uh, I'm thankful yeah. for your description of some of the words because I didn't know paling and and sh- the shocks were referring to um, 
like sheaths. Um, and I was having a hard time with that line. These these are indeed the barn within doors house because I kept reading that within doors house, and it's not it's not the it has to be how uh, like ha- to house something. Yeah. Um, and and um so all of that section kind of gives me the idea of being able to actually hold on to some of this a little bit um mm. a barn store uh, you know a barn house um the mm. sheet the sheaths is kind of bundling it up the, the wheat and then um and then the fence right kind of keeps this in um and and it's there for the taking but if it's taken in passing is it just you're missing it like you talked about you know that the deeper beauty the deeper truths whether it's the elvish vision in the front end or the the deeply deeply christian vision at the end um those require not looking at it in passing those require prayer and patience and alms and vows and Mm. as a purchase um and then and then maybe you can take some of it with you when you when you leave the contemplation and, and go on to the next thing um oh that's I don't know. So, so beautifully said um really beautifully said i i think also it's sort of the um i love this idea of what do you take with you and why do you need to take it with you um i really love that i think that's a great question and especially for someone like hopkins didn't he have enough of this? Didn't I mean he wrote like this in his diary every day? Why? Right, right. Why did he need more? Um, I I also feel like it's kind of the structure of, like you say, the pearl of great price, but also the um, the natural world. Uh, you know, the things that present themselves to our senses. Mm-hmm. There's a visible reality. But like we feel him boring into that visible reality to reach another reality. And it's only in this reading that I'm seeing that that fence that is um, shutting in Christ, you know, that's um, Christ, the spouse, whose spouse, our spouse, like, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and a Christ, the spouse and his mother and all the saints. Um, this is sort of a penetration you know, like what we're seeing is first we're seeing stars and then we're seeing like a an elvish party or something. Mm-hmm. And then we're seeing the bridge between heaven and earth. And now like deep in the center of that thing that we thought was just a star is Christ. Right. And so it's, it's really a progression towards the living presence of Christ in the center of all things. That, yeah, you take it away f- with you um, from the contemplation, from the moment. And you also, but you kind of also have to see it. You have to like press through to get to that place. Right. Right. I think um, it's it's so easy and, and probably even starting in his time and certainly even more in our time, it's so easy to just see things at that surface and move on. That's the yeah. world. That's what the that's what the world around us is encouraging us to do, and so for him, you're right. He was writing these things in his diary every day, but that's him forcing himself to slow down and and contemplate even longer than after he saw the stars, right? To yes. come back in and continue contemplation. And, yes. And I think that I don't know. Maybe 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 the way in which that allows us to take it with us is that if you do that hard work, if you go past the stars and then the fairy folk and then the heaven and earth connecting, and then you see Christ and you see yes. the saints with him in glory, then it means that the next time you look up at the sky, all that can just well up in you, right? You can, you don't, because you've done the hard work of the contemplation, you just get to have that joy when you see the night sky, mm. that, that deeper sense of understanding at a very visceral level. Um, and that goes on in, into the rest of, like you said, the natural world. If we if we take the time to contemplate um, the natural world to our fellow man, whatever it might be, we that's how we get to. And then, and then for him, it's not just contemplation, but it's it's specifically prayer and penance and alms and vows. It's things connected with the church. Um, that's what yes. it means to be able to, to hold it and take it with us. You know. 
Yes. And it's a form of communion. What, you know, he had this idea that the patterns of the world is back to our friend, Christopher Alexander, but that the patterns of the world, he called that inscape mm-hmm. and that, that they were actually, once you started to see these patterns in nature and you could be, you could sort of enter in and, and fellowship with God through them and be changed by them, be mm-hmm. touched by them. Um, so that it was, it's something I love the way you say it's, it could well up in you in the future, but it also is just that, you know, we are so desperate to be with God. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're always saying like, why don't you rend the heavens and come down? You know, the Psalms are constantly saying things like that, but this is a moment where Hopkins is showing us God is always rending the heavens and coming down. He's always giving us that invitation. And our work is to seek this pearl of great price of communion with him Mm -hmm. that we can do through the stars. Right. (laughs) It's a bid. It's a, it's a um, purchase. It's, and, and I love, you know, I was thinking, I was so very tempted to add the poem patience to this discussion because, uh, you know, he talks a lot about patience. Um, and I, I recently heard someone say that patience joins time to eternity. Hmm. It's like the patience that he's demonstrating for us in this moment is that bridge between this being, I don't know, this being a chirotic event instead of just something right, right. happened one day, you know? Right, I was just thinking, you said the patience, it's, it's Kronos to Kairos, right? That's that joining yes. those two. Yes. Um, wow. Yeah. And I mean, how else are we going to see, see, see God around us? Um, it, and then ultimately probably the patience to see the Imago Dei in other people, right? Like, but that takes patience and prayer and, and alms, you know, alms. um, um, vows. Yeah. His vows were so hard. Yes. Yes. They, and, and the vows we take, like you and I have both made vows. The marriage yes. vows are hard, They're hard. <laughs> hard to live up to. And his, his priestly vows are hard to live up to, Yes, but it's, and they, and they tie us to other people. They tie, they, they make us beholden and responsible to other people. Yeah. Um, and then, so let's start with the stars. <laughs> right. The star- and also let's sup with the stars. Let's drink deeply of the stars. Yes. Because they are there to give us um, Christ, whom we need to fellowship with yes. through the natural world so that we can penetrate from the visible to the invisible. And we can remember that we are living with Christ, you know, and that he's there with us in the difficulty um yes. of these vows um i like the way you brought us back to the poem after that interlude um and it is a really interesting interlude because in the text i i have it right here this is a great edition the 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 um every man oh i love those yeah those little series. books yeah um but so I, I like the way we get the the two lines on this bidding and purchase, and then the separation between the two stanzas and the and the two parts of the sonnet, and then we're back to look, yeah. look. <laughs> how did you, um, how did you think about the fact that he kind of returned to the work? Um. Yeah, it, it, maybe that's what it is, right? He he has this break. And thinks, and then wait. But if it's just if it's all purchase and prize, then bid, do it, buy the buy the thing, get, buy in, do it um, through prayer and patience, and it brings him back to more analogy for what he's seeing, right? Different analogies, new analogies um, that lead us to something even deeper: um, Christ and His Mother and all the ha- all His hallows. Um, he is taking scripture at its word. Right. The heavens declare the glory of God. Okay. Mm-hmm. What do we do with that? This is what we do right, with that. Right. 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 <laughs> First of all, we look. Right. And um, so I love the way that he makes us go back and look as if, you know, because we could come off of those lines about patience and prayer and such and, and think, oh, well, 
now we should go pray. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, yeah. And he's saying, look, you know, he goes right back to where the poem started. Right. He begins to to analogize again. Oh, it's like a, a, a May mess on an orchard bough. Oh, I love that so much. Like a mess. Like he's calling the flowers like a mess. Yeah. There's so much profusion. Or a March bloom um, on these willow, scrubby willow trees. Um, and these are the barn. My goodness, what an interesting, these are indeed the barn. Okay, whoa, another huge leap there. Mm-hmm. How are they the barn? Oh, because they're holding something inside of them with indoors house the shocks. Oh, the barn. Okay, the shocks, wheat. Yeah, okay, yeah, all right, we keep wheat in the barn. Like you say, this is the wheat is the harvest, right? It is right, the right. treasure of the field. It's the treasure of the labor. What's inside? The and then yeah, the, the fence and then the fence shuts in the spouse, holds in the spouse. Yeah, and it just. And I just <sighs> love too the way he calls Christ, the spouse, the spouse Christ. This peace bright paling shuts the spouse Christ home. Mm-hmm. Shuts the spouse Christ home. What an interesting way to say that. Shuts him home, like puts him inside where he belongs, where he resides, where he um, dwells and makes himself visible though hidden mm-hmm, to us mm-hmm. peace and, bright paling so it's like a an illuminated fence <laughs> right that right. holds christ yeah the 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 brightness of it, it yeah the look the may mess like I, I just, you just have this picture of of overabundance right like there's so mm-hmm. many flowers it's just super abundant um which is the stars too but um but even more so right he's giving another analogy the blooms of, of the may trees and then the rest of this is abundance right the, the barn filled with the shocks and yes um, and there's just this kind of overwhelming sense of largeness but then it's inside the fence it's it is he's christ with all that abundance he's he's the spouse for us the church mm-hmm. and and stays in that he, he doesn't ever doesn't ever leave that role for us right he's he's always stays within the bounds of that spouse role even though he's super abundant right and even mm. though he's above and beyond creation um, mm, i love what you're contrasting there i don't think i've ever even had that thought connected to this poem but you're 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 suggesting that it's moving in two directions. Like there's the spilling out, which is what superabundance is, right? Mm-hmm, it's like mm-hmm. there's a charisma there. There's a there's a something that's so powerful and fruitful that it spills out, and that we see the signs of its, I don't know, power or fruitfulness mm-hmm, everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet you're you're suggesting like despite that superabundance, there's a kind of steadfast presence Mm -hmm. that is ours and again this like the pearl of great price the 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 sort of images of the harvest and of the the fruitfulness um and then this image of him being ours Mm -hmm. him being our spouse um it's so intimate you know it leads us into that intimacy and I think it's why it comes a little bit surprising there. You know, we're kind of shocked by it. Like what? Yeah, yeah. Shuts yeah. the spouse, Christ, home. And see here how the language shuts him in too. Yeah. Those Anglo-Saxon simple words, like it feels almost scandalous the way it comes spouse, across. Christ, yeah. home. Yeah.
And then he goes right back into Christ and his mother and the house and the house are like you said, the saints, right? So yeah. it's like all of that. Mm. All of that is ours. All of that that the stars, you know, display in the in their um I couldn't help thinking of that like the stars are a manifestation of this divine council, right? This I this their their yes. analogy of that. And so he shuts it in and then it's right back out. Like, it's just. Oh, see, oh. I love that point you're making. Like the abundance again, right? Yeah. So we've got the kind of funnel that brings it down to a point of, mm-hmm. you know, our spouse in his home. And it's so domestic and so. Intimate. And, intimate. Yeah. yeah. And then out again, widening. So it's like this enclosure and widening motion that's going um throughout the poem and you feel you feel him communing with his spouse right hopkins the speaker communing Mm -hmm. with his beloved Mm -hmm. making having made the purchase um there's a great quote that i found in his diary of 1874 he he says as we drove home the stars came out thick I leant back to look at them, hmm. and my heart, opening more than usual, praised our Lord to and in whom that beauty comes home. Hmm. And it just strikes me that that quote is so much what's happening in the poem, you know, like you, right. okay, so what's the process? Well, the stars come out, and then you lean back and look at them. And then your heart opens more than usual and you praise. And then all that beauty comes home. You know, just like we see a lot of beauty. We we say beauty is going to save the world, even though I would like to point out that that quote from Dostoevsky <laughs> is not in the mouth of a character that is trustworthy. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, but we say these things, you know, and we believe them and we try to surround ourselves with beauty, but it, the beauty has to come home. And Hopkins is showing us in the middle of his really painful, difficult Mm -hmm. life, what it looks like for that beauty to come home, like come home to us and for us to come home, come home to Christ. And then for us to join Christ in that home. Yeah, it's it's not just enough to surround ourselves with piles of beauty, right? That we're already surrounded, right? Right. What do we he, do with them? He's you're much better off contemplating the one be- one beautiful thing, like the star. You know, spending a lot of time with that, right? Than just accumulating beautiful things, um, which is uh, uh, yeah. But he's also it, not saying like. Go pray. What are you doing looking at the stars? You know, right, right. If if beauty is going to save the world, then it's then it's because we we actually engage with it. We don't just keep adding more and more. I mean, we we've had this conversation a couple of times, Matt and I, and then I think he and Katarina talked about it a little bit on on a uh, a while back on one of these podcasts. Um, but museum, like like that's what a museum does, right? It just, it just collects a bunch, it piles it up in a place where it's disconnected from any kind of context or any kind of, and even cuts off contemplation by giving you a little, little plaque to read to tell you exactly what the painting's about, right? Like ignore those, <laughs> just read those like the third time you go to the museum, like maybe. <laughs> um, um, and so we want to just like section off beauty and just have it sit there, but it's this deeper contemplation that allows it to actually come home that um yeah and that believes that christ is sacramentally present in the world yes and available to us yeah and that that we are um we have a role to play we have a response to make this is a call to us the stars call to us and we have a response to make and we can choose not to make, not to respond, you know, or we can increasingly learn to respond. And I, I also love uh, a, something Hopkins said once, which is, um, "This this life is night. It is a night. It is a dark time. 
And so I think even he would allow us to go further and say that even though we don't necessarily have indicated that he's talking about this life as a night, and here we are in the night, uh, I I do think that that is indicated that um, the nighttime of this life Mm -hmm. is lighted with all these stars and Christ is in them. And how do we learn to find them? And how do we learn to commune with them? Um, sometimes, you know, you meet older people who just weep at the beauty of everything, you know? Um, and you think, wow, they really know something. Um, what do they know? What do I miss? Why am I not weeping mm, at all these mm. things? And um, maybe it's the long practice of looking in the night for the stars, you know, mm-hmm. and then looking in the stars for the analogies and then in the analogies being led to, to Christ and our spouse. Yeah. I mean, he is the logos in all these things, right? Which is what makes the analogy possible. So. It might make sense just um we we didn't talk too much about um the rhyme scheme or anything else. Okay. Um I don't know if you want to do some of that work together. Sure. I I, I have a lot to learn, so I would that sounds great. I think also you know, some things that we could talk about further when we talk about Hopkins, maybe not today, but just the concept of inscape, um, an understanding of what it means to view the world sacramentally. Mm-hmm. And I really love, I have some wonderful writing about that from Hans Borsma that I would love to share. Uh, I think it's very significant that we're talking about sight here and seeing and the kind of movement from the outward to the inward sight. And then, uh, Oh, there was something else that I was thinking about for future, for future talking. But I think that's probably good right now. Um, it's a really interesting rhyme scheme. Um, do you have the poem in front of you? I do. Yeah. It's very tight. There mm-hmm. aren't too many sounds in there, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I air all through. That's all the first. Uh, before the break. Uh, yeah, so we've got skies, eyes, skies, delves, well, skies, eyes, lies, prize, mm-hmm. air, there. And just so everyone knows, like in my version, the elves' eyes is indented, but that's the end of the previous line. It's so indented. It's, okay. Yeah, so it really eyes. So then we've got air, there, flare, scare. And then in the next stanza, vows, bows, sallows, house, spouse, hallows. <laughs> so it's like, whoa. I mean, we have two sounds that we're alternating between in the first stanza or the first, the sestet. And then in the octave, we have one. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's worth our thinking about, talking about why. Why do we think that it's so tight? Yeah, it's such a clever, the way he does it in the in the octet uh, with, it almost appears like it's not, we're just looking, but then you realize it is because you have the vows, sallows, and hallows, which look the same, right? And then vows, hows, spouse, but they really all are the same. Yeah. Um, it's just brilliant. <laughs> Brilliantly yeah, done. Yeah, it's so brilliant. Um. And it it has the effect of, I mean, for one thing, it doesn't let us wander very far, right? It pulls us back in quickly mm-hmm. um, from a sonic perspective. And it seems to kind of come more and more to a point. Uh, you know, we we are conscious of this sort of ringing note mm-hmm. and the ringing note has fewer and fewer reverberations before we're reminded of it as we go down through the poem. And so it is almost a motion like the one that you and I just articulated, which is this, I mean, you could think of the poem as 
concentric circles, right? We've got the stars and we've got the elves and we've got Christ and his mother. And each one is like a an, uh, an outer ring that hides or ensconces an inner ring. Mm-hmm. And you penetrate the rings with this, I don't want to call it a method. It's not a method, but just this process of contemplation that he's demonstrating mm-hmm. for us. And so it's a little similar with the sound. The sound just is very pointed, driving you toward and not giving you a lot of room to wander and forget that you're driving towards something. Yeah, that, that I definitely feel that. And then, like you said, with the, with the octet, you stay with that sound. And so now you're here, right? You're just kind of here at, at Christ and you're you're staying here. Or, or yeah. he's taking you to Christ and he's, staying, he's keeping you yeah. right here. Yeah, sextet. Um, and, and then the other thing you had mentioned earlier, the all the kind of heavy alliteration in yeah. um and we talked about at the beginning it's very uh very physical word choice that's being things that are being described it's not very abstract it's very uh, you know material in that sense in in a good sense um and i the combination of all those things i think keeps you right here like we're going to we're going to look at yeah. this thing this and we're going to stay with this thing this physics this this concrete thing we're going to keep talking about it and keep talking about it we're not going to wander we're going to stay here and, and stay with this thing that is uh, such a good way to describe it it keeps you right here <laughs> i love that that's really good characterization is there anything else that strikes you formally that you would that you would want to share i mean i i think punctuation and even just thinking about the center point of the poem because you know the old alliterative verse would have two halves and you'd have an alliteration on one side and an alliteration on the other side and i feel the ghost of that Hmm. Um, and of course he was very familiar with that verse um I feel the ghost of that here. I mean, look at all the places in the middle of the poem Mm -hmm. where there is a bit of a break, you know, either it's a comma or an exclamation Mm -hmm. mark. Like bright vowels and then circle citadels. Yes. Yeah. You feel those two halves. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's kind of interesting because you, you have these vertical motions, um, but you have some horizontal motion going on as well too and i i think the horizontal is very much about dwelling right it's like okay let's stay here because he's he's much like the psalms and parallelism there's a lot of repetition going on a lot of okay let's stay here a minute let's find another word for it it's a copiousness almost right right even the wind uh um the white beam is a tree that's white but then the the abels are also the white poplar so we're going to say this similar image a couple of different ways right Um, yes yes and there's so much sound work going on inside each line another just profusion of attention drawing almost ecstatic almost super linguistic um abundance It, it and maybe that's where that's where the the punctuation that all the exclamation points comes in two rays this ecstatic and super abundant wonder almost um so that's not that common i don't think even for even for if at least my limited experience even for hopkins they have that much kind of exclamation point throughout the, throughout the yeah it's, it's it's emphatic and then you hear something like wind beat white beam i mean that's even within one of those phrases is similarly repetitive sonically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah it's a, it's a kind of a next level of alliteration to have that what but what but in the, yeah in those two words in just those two words or three words so yeah i mean it's almost like a babbling of i mean it's almost like a pentecost right <laughs> it's like a, a <laughs> right. baptism of language that yeah. seems like speaking a language that's not even yours and yet you understand it. I mean, there's just, there's so much imagery. Like it, it's hard to, to stop it all one, but, um, but that's what he's calling us to do. And, 
I can just imagine like a picture book version, right? Where you have these different images mm. put before you, the, the, the March bloom, like on mealed with yellow sallows. That was the, that hyphenated mealed with yellow sallows was, <laughs> um, was just so image provoking, right? This just kind of, I don't know, mealed. It was a, it's a little bit of an antiquated word too, but I liked it. I just love the way it fit in this. And how did you understand mealed with yellow? What did I that mean? I don't know that I know the right understanding, but it just felt like covered, like just kind of pile upon pile almost of, of yellow, yellowed flowers. Um, again, kind of one of those super abundant images, but um, but maybe I'm not, maybe I don't know that word well enough. Well, I was taking it as thinking about meal and, and about like sort of the grain, the graininess of mm -hmm. meal being mixed in, mealed with yellow, you know, mixed in. Oh, right, right. Yellow. On the, will um, on the willow. Uh-huh. On the, yeah. the So that it was a color, like a variegated color. Hmm. But it is a bit confusing that one. Well, but then with a with a, if he's analogizing the stars again, you know, if it's a if it's a that's full, a great point. Bright night, you have that kind of variegated, and if it's yeah, it's really if it's really clear and you're out in the middle of nowhere, you kind of almost you get that kind of um, stardust that you get from the that's the um, Milky Way kind of looking thing. You know, yes. that would be a little bit more variegated. Yes, absolutely. Yes. That's good. That's helpful with that imagery there. I think it's also just really interesting to think about how can it be both a prize and a purchase? Mm. Um, I mean, a lot of times things that are prizes, you can't purchase. Mm -hmm. a, a prize in the sense of being valuable. Mm -hmm. But... Um, but I, I do think that it's an interesting question. You know, in in theology, we think a lot about like what's our work and what's God's work. Mm -hmm. um, and Hopkins really is trying to avoid those sorts of distinctions. You know, he his he seems to be wanting to say the goal is union. Mm. And we are privileged and invited into a participation right here's what the participation could look like or does look like for me and um it kind of dispenses with petty conversations about monergism and synergism mm. you know i mean it's so clearly give it your all get involved do you know respond and meet god and and Christ is there. Christ is with you. And you have prayer, patience, alms, and vows, and looking to do to right. meet him in your in your plane. But he has hidden himself there. Yeah, that idea of, of it being of union, I think is is helpful in that in that it's um because in one sense, the purchase and prize kind of limits the scope, right? It's the kind of prize you have to purchase. Mm. Um, but in the other sense, that with if it's union and if it's not, well, what are the things I'm supposed to be doing? What are the things God's supposed to be doing? If it's just this is there's God is working and I'm going to be in union with that. Yeah. You you get to join that at one level, but if you continue and you get to do more of it, like you, it's not like you have to do more work. You get to do more of the work, right? <laughs> And so um enter in with patience, prayer, alms, vows, so you can so you can contemplate and and slow down and be quiet and look and see the things. Um and then that becomes a greater joy of greater work with, with God in in because you're in union. I've seen so much more than I saw <laughs> this by myself. This uh, this so it's much. So nice to talk about together. Really is so worth doing. Thank you for giving us an occasion. Um, and I 
I'd love to talk about patience next. Um, and maybe even peace, you know, hit those poems in this book are on pages Cons next to each okay. other. Okay. And um, this concept of patience being something that um, is part of our bid um, and part of what turns time into eternity is really interesting. He knew something about it. I, I like that. I, I like the idea we could do a, um, a few more Hopkins poems next and then maybe spend some time in, in another ep episode talking about uh, Inscape and you could uh, share with us some of the things from Hans uh, Borsma and um, kind of stay with Hopkins a little bit before we move on to look at yeah, a, a different a different poet's work. So I like that idea. Do you want to just, should we, do you want to stop anything now in chat or are you uh, just going to? No, I wanted to do, um, tell uh, tell the folks a little bit that you have some things coming up. Um, oh, okay. So, you know, uh, those of you yeah. who know Christine know that um, obviously she's she's been part of Classical Academic Press since, since its beginning. Um, we recognized her when we first met her because we had the old videos that had her kids on them <laughs> for, for Latin. <laughs> And we said, hey, there's Noah, but he's a lot taller than we saw in, um, on those <laughs> videos. But and then Christine obviously um, or is a poet herself. Um, uh, um, oh, shoot, I'm blanking at the mirror. I'm blanking on the book that's sitting on my shelf, the title. Bright Mirror. Bright Mirror, thank you. And 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 for many years was a professor at, at Messiah College, um, but has stepped away from that teaching role and has some things on the horizon, um, including christineperrin.com, which will be uh, up and live here shortly. So I'm going to tell us a little bit about what, what you're doing with that. Oh, well, I just want to try to put my work in one place so that people have access to it. And um, uh, I have more time to do that. So I'm working on that as well as some writing projects and gotten to teach at a few different places, including Orvieto, uh, Gordon and Orvieto, and um, the Neshota House in Wisconsin, which I hardly recommend um, to Excellent. anyone interested in. Wonderful place. Well, I'll put some of those links in the show notes. I'll put christineparent.com in there, as well as Neshota House. Um, some links to this poem, as well as um, the Everyman book. We love those. We have several of those poetry books on our shelves. So, so good. Um, Kobe, I should say Kobe. She has. I also have to go check and see which one she has before I buy another one. So, I love that. Um, I will also send you that amazing quote from Hopkins if you like. Excellent, that'd be great. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, Christine, thanks for joining us. Uh, I'm looking forward to this being kind of a regular occurrence. So, so am I. I, I, I'd be happy to do it. Like if you want a rhythm, just every month or every other month or you know whatever. Okay you so that we didn't have to either of us extend too much energy figuring, figuring out. it out yeah. yeah yeah okay well maybe we'll try and shoot for every month and i didn't want to i didn't want to ask too much of you but if you're up for every month that sounds great that's to my me. favorite thing to do brandon and you're Excellent. a very wonderful companion <laughs> awesome uh i'm sure before long there'll be people in our office um beating on my door to to come in and join us with these poems but or in my own house honestly to, be, to tell you the truth <laughs> um so Thank you again for being with us. Oh, um, take care. See you soon, I hope. Thank you all for joining us on Quiddity as we refreshed ourselves at Cisterns of Learning dug long ago, drawing on springs too deep for taint. Please check out everything that Christine is doing. Uh, check out some of this poetry. Um, you can send any questions or comments to podcast at circeinstitute.org. And join us next week for another episode. Be sure to check out the other shows on the Circe Podcast Network.